The Weekly Driver Podcast receives support from americantrucks.com, your late model Silverado, Sierra, Ram, and F-150 online aftermarket retailer, bringing you all of the hottest parts from accessories to lift kits, from wheels to tires and winches. americantrucks.com has the knowledge and know-how to make your wildest dreams come to reality. Visit americantrucks.com for your chance to win $17,760 in upgrades for your truck. Welcome back to the Weekly Driver Podcast. My name is James Rea, editor and publisher of the Weekly Driver and an automotive columnist for Bay Area News Group. My co-host is Bruce Aldrich. We haven't seen each other for a while. I've been a little bit under the weather and Bruce has been out of town. Welcome back, James. Good Thank to you. see you. Thank you. Glad I'm feeling better. Um, we have a lot to talk about in episode 28 of our podcast. First and foremost, I know, Bruce, that you had your third experience with your wife and some friends uh, RVing. And I remember the first time you, you rented an RV, and then the second time. Now this is the third time, and we've discussed that it, it's kind of all falling into place. You're, you, everything is smooth now, and you're, you're an expert now. So tell us a little bit about, or tell me a little bit about your third trip and, and what you learned as an RV or now that you've gone three times? Yes, we're, we've rented each time. We, yeah. we haven't taken the plunge and purchased yet. Or yes. I don't know if we ever will actually. This renting seems to work so well. But we took a trip over to the coast uh, two weeks ago and we really got it down. It's amazing. It's almost like bike riding now. It's kind of simple now. It's no big deal. It's amazing how quick we got used to the big old huge boat that it is. Now, have you rented the same one two or the three times or the same one all three times? Same one all three times. So give me the, give me the length and, and um, some of the other things and, and how, how, how much gas you have to use and, and what the learning curve is to driving. Uh, basically, a, for us, it would be a big rig. This isn't an 18-wheeler, but it's a far different than a passenger vehicle. Right. It's, it's a super big, wide, high thing. This is a C-Class that we've rented. It's 27 feet long. And it's powered by a big Ford V10. I think it's a six-speed now they've updated yes. it. Uh-huh. And uh, anyway, yeah, it's it's a big old huge high wide rig. That's the most of the problem is the width. The length yes. doesn't matter much, except for when you're trying to do a U-turn. But it's the width going down the road, especially on Highway 1 in California where it's quite narrow. Yes. And if there's any bicyclists out there, oh boy, you're not going to pass until you get plenty of room. Right. So you feel very comfortable now. Your third time uh, driving them, it's 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 a learning curve, but you're 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 feel comfortable now. Yes, very okay. very comfortable now. I really love the uh, they have a side uh, cameras on them. When you hit yes. the the left or the right turn indicator, a, a side camera comes on, so you can see over there to the right or to the left, which is kind of nice. And then of course there's a uh, rear view camera too, so you can see what's behind you. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of nice. I'm learning just. To, to scan them and use them more now. I wasn't real comfortable using the cameras the first couple of times, but now I've gotten used to camera. Gotcha. Well, that's great. And you guys did go in, in uh, February, and um, you did drive in some, it wasn't summer weather, it wasn't a blizzard weather, but that trans- transitions into one of our next topics is, did you experience winter driving in, in your RV? And we've both been reading a lot about winter driving, and you drive often from Sacramento to Truckee, where there is inclement weather. So we've been talking about some of the winter driving things that we've talked about uh, before. But let's talk about winter driving and, and what the, the consumer should know about it and how that's changed, if it has, for you as a person who lives 
sometimes in Sacramento and sometimes in, in Truckee, California. Yeah, there was in fact a big storm last week when I went up and they closed the road just after I got through on Highway 80 over Donner Pass. Mm -hmm. um, I made it through. I didn't think it was any big deal, but uh, people who aren't prepared, it is a big deal. And so one of the things, obviously, your skill set and how you handle a car is very important, but getting your car ready for the winter or uh, through heavy snow is, is also important. Mm -hmm. So we were talking about, uh, you have a Subaru, and your Subaru has asymmetrical all-wheel drive. and Symmetrical, actually. Symmetrical, asymmetrical. Everybody else is asymmetrical. <coughs> That's, I beg your pardon. We're symmetric. Oh, that, that, that. Uh, symmetrical uh, all-wheel drive. And, and the nuances from people who think that there's a, a massive difference between four-wheel drive and all-wheel drive, and that corresponds into what kind of tires you're supposed to use or can use, which allows you to not have to stop and put on chains. Did I say that the right way? And, and you have a lot of knowledge in that. So what, what is that part of the traveling in, in snow with a car with all-wheel or four-wheel drive and certain kind of tires? Take, talk us through that a little bit. Well, if you're going to have a two-wheel drive car, it's a lot of pain in the neck putting on chains and taking them off, or mm -hmm. you have to pay somebody to put them on and off. The problem is, once you get, say, to the ski resort and you don't have chains on, now in the six hours you've been at the resort, now it's snowing or has been snowing for three hours and you need chains. So now you're going to have to put them on yourself. Yes. So that's a problem. Or the, the other way, that uh, it's been sunny for six hours, you don't need chains, now you've got to take them off yourself. So two-wheel drive is just not the way to go, mm -hmm. except for casual pass-through once or something. You've got to have four-wheel drive. Then you can get, you bypass the, the chain controls. Okay, and we were talking about different kinds of tires uh, and the different terminology for tires that are, are different manufacturers, if I understand correctly, call them different things, but you, to correspond with your all-wheel drive, you need winter you, tires. Well, you, it's not, you need, you don't need winter-specific tires, but you need, the designation is snow, mm -hmm. and basically every tire on the road, if, at least from the manufacturer, is a mud and snow tire. Okay. Until you get into, you know, if you're buying Corvettes and and high-end performance cars are not going to have mud and snow. It's going to be a, a, a so-called summer tire only, mm -hmm. most likely. But everybody essentially has a mud and snow tire. You, so you don't have to worry about tires per se with your four-wheel drive. You've got them. Um, another thing about tires, though, is you have to have a decent tread depth to them. Yes. Once you get down about half the tread life, it's really you lose a lot of performance in the snow and ice. Mm -hmm. it, it's really noticeable. Mm-hmm. And it's also really noticeable, if you want an edge in snow driving, snow and ice, you really need winter-specific tires. Okay. And winter-specific tires, um, most of the manufacturers make them, and they're really only for the winter. Okay. And, and, and sometimes you see a, t uh, a story on television or you hear it on the news or the radio that uh, there's been a storm and somebody's got stuck and, and they don't have... They're not prepared. They didn't bring layers of clothing. They didn't bring any extra water. They, they're basically unprepared to be driving in the snow, not only from their vehicle, but for personal needs, too. So um, when, you go to, when you go to Truckee, uh, 100 miles away, let's say, from Sacramento, or you drive elsewhere, um, you know that you're going to go to where you live. But do you guys do other things um, to prepare? And just in case, you have, uh, sometimes you bring your dog with you. So 
what are the things or necessities for, for winter driving that are kind of, this is the basics you need if you're going to be driving in the snow? Well, I'd say the basics are you got to have your uh, car up to snuff. Windshield wipers, you've right. got to have good rubber on those things. You've got to have a good working defroster. Mm-hmm. Um, you've got to have windshield washer fluid in there. Yes. Because every time, if the conditions are kind of sloppy, every time a car passes, you, you it throws up muddy spray on you. Yes. And you can't see. You've got to use those. I use just ton. It's amazing how much yeah. uh, windshield washer fluid you go through up and down. So it's the common sense things that you should check every time you go. Sure, and then they always say, you know, have twice as much gas as you think you need in case yes. you have to sit there for two hours or something right. uh, with the motor running to stay warm. Uh, blanket, food, water, that doesn't hurt. It's just amazing sometimes how long that freeway can be shut down. Right. And then you're, you're hosed. Yeah, you might be, the, you might be the, the last person on the road before it shuts down, or you might get lucky and be the person who gets to go behind the snowplow, right? I mean, there's all different... Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I, I consider it unlucky behind the snowplow because they're throwing, they're dropping sand and throwing yeah. mud. I don't like following them, but yeah. I, the lucky guy is the last guy who gets through before they close the that, road. That's right. That's right. So, is there anything else that you can think of about winter driving in in general? You you check your car. You you have extra stuff for your for your personal needs. You, you check all the levels and and uh, I'm I'm assuming you, you just speaking freely, you slow your ass down. Yeah, the speed limit is yeah, the speed limit. Yeah, that's, that's the obvious one. But I think another one, maybe not so obvious, uh, is you got to check the surface. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know what dry pavement is. You right. know what wet pavement is. What's the snow? And snow, there's numerous conditions in uh, what they talk about in driving schools is the coefficient of friction and mm-hmm. how, how fast you can stop on that snow. Mm-hmm. Uh, snow's come in... It's not all the same. It's you know the right. Eskimos have a thousand words for it. You know, like drivers yeah. could probably use at least fifty words for snow and yeah. the ice. What what the conditions are, and everyone has a different coefficient of friction. So how do you test that? Stomp on the brakes. Right. When you're heading out your driveway, you get straight and skid it. Hit the, hit the anti-lock brakes, and how much traction is there? You you find out really quick. Right. Right. And you got to know because sometimes it's amazing. It looks the same, and it could be slipperier than. Mm-hmm. You, who knows what? And then another day, if it's fresh snow, usually it's not nearly as slippery as the hard packed stuff. Gotcha. And you can read the, read the snow by looking just by looking at it too. Mm-hmm. The, the the fluffier, powdery stuff generally is much better traction than um, the hard or dark colored stuff. Right. Because there's there's more water content, more ice. So yes. Dark is bad. White is good. Generally, I think. <laughs> that's a good that's a good way to look at it. I've never put chains on a car in my life. Um, and so I have no idea if it's hard to do or simple to do, if the chains have gotten a lot better in, in the last 20 years. And, and if you do get stuck, uh, are there people who are the, are the people who put on chains for the most part reliable or are there ripoff artists or do you know? Well, I've always had a four wheel drive, uh, yeah. so I've never used them, but I think they're good. They're, they're contracted with, with the state of California. Gotcha. They're contract people. They're not just people showing up like panhandlers at the street corner. <laughs> they're not mom and pop chain no, operations. No, they, uh, I think they're, they're, they're legit. They're, they're legit. They're fine, but it's just the hassle. And you can only, with chains or they have other types of devices, they're not called chains, but they, they wrap around the tire. Mm-hmm. They're really rough and loud. Mm-hmm. And uh, when a lot of times the chain controls, you can't take them off exactly where the snow stops. You have to drive four miles past that. Well, in the meantime, you're driving on hard pavement with these, Right. 
It's an inconvenient way to go. Inconvenient. Yeah. You can't go fast with them. They're just, to me, they're a menace. <laughs> and you have any, any idea what it costs to put chains on these days? I think I saw it's 30 bucks. 30 bucks? Uh -huh. I'm not sure if it was 30 bucks on and 30 bucks off, or maybe the price is a little different. Okay. Maybe it was 45 on, 30 off. Okay. Around 30 bucks. Fair enough. Um, well, okay. Uh, another thing we wanted to discuss this week is that I just saw um, a story, and, and a man contacted me. Uh, I had written, a, I write a column for the couple of paper, uh, newspapers in the Bay Area, and this guy had a, a real difficulty um, finding out what was wrong with with his car, and he discovered that um, rodents were eating the, his the soy-based wiring in his rather expensive Audi, and. When all was said and done, it took them six months to get it repaired, and some people denied it. Some people said, no, that's the insurance's responsibility, and some people said that's the manufacturer's responsibility. Now we've read that there are class action suits. So um, I heard about this phenomenon maybe 10 years ago when I took my wife's Honda CRV in, and they said that the, the rats had been eating um, the wiring in her car, and he used the term polypropylene, but now we've read about that there's soy-based material. So... I guess it's it's the problem is not going away and it's it's affecting a lot of different manufacturers. Yeah, I heard about this too some time back and I thought it was just some isolated cases and yeah, you know, maybe wackos or something. Yeah, uh, but yeah, it's it's quite a big problem right now. Yeah, and several manufacturers. And they say you can buy tape. Based. You can buy tape to put over the wiring. We read somebody's using uh, uh, amp, um, deer urine. Was it deer urine? I think we read to put it outside of your car in the morning. Oh, I heard cat urine too. Cat urine keep too. Keep the rats. The rats are the big, the big, uh, big uh, rodents that are doing it. Right. So if and apparently if you live anywhere near a river, like we live in East Sacramento and we live three blocks from the river, and um, so the rats from if you park your car not in the garage, if you park your car in the driveway, the rats go from the car into your house or from the house to your car, and and you can be in. Uh, it's rather expensive. So. We don't, read. don't leave your car where the rats are. You don't leave your don't car where the rats are. Don't put them by the dumpster. <laughs> That's right. So um, I'm going to have to do some, a little bit more uh, research. I, I called this man back who had written to me, but he didn't want to. He didn't want to go on the. Uh, he didn't want to use have his name used. Uh, but it's a it's a big issue with Volvo, Hyundai, uh, uh, excuse me, Honda, Volvo, um, maybe you know, Audi Toyota. for sure, Toyota, and we read that there are some you know class action suits now that. Um, maybe the manufacturer is going to have to change a few things and how they approach some of the wiring in their car and use a different, a different uh, uh, system to get so people aren't having their waking up and looking under the hood and seeing a dead rat in there or, or lack of uh, no wiring left, whatever. Yeah, here, here's a comment from Forbes magazine. Uh, Joanne says that she discovered a new rat repellent, coyote urine. There you so go. So there, and you can buy that at Home Depot for 24 bucks plus shipping. That's a lot cheaper than taking your car into for a $600 repair or whatever it is. Yeah. So that's the thing, huh? Coyote urine. Okay. Rat repellent. Yeah, coyote urine. She bought it at 20, yeah, $24 plus shipping. And she, I think, did she did she put a little bit on by the tires of the car? How did she uh, pours a little bit of around the, around the tires? tires? Dot the driveway with some, too. She says she places the coyote urine soaked sponge inside a tin pan near the car. She's not sure it's working and doesn't want to take her in for any more repairs and she's rid of the rats once and for all. Wow. Okay, it's unproven, people, so get back to us if the coyote <laughs> urine saves your car wiring. That'd be great. So it's gonna be a, it's gonna be something I can really follow up on and do a, 
And I, I wonder if I, when I call Honda, uh, Honda dealership and let's say somewhere in the Bay Area, if the guy would say, oh man, we had 15 cars in last week, but it's not our problem. It's the, we'll see what the answer is when I start calling around a little bit. Yeah, I think it is. It's, it's not older cars with polypropylene or whatever they call, you know, the rubber insulation. It's, it's this newer products that's got soy in it. Yeah. Okay. Well, we'll we'll uh, we'll update everybody on that when I find out what the. Oh, I see. They've gone to it for to make it biodegradable. Oh, okay. So it, uh, they can get rid of it easier. It's more biodegradable than plastics. Okay. Um, well, another topic. Uh, last week, I read um, Consumer Reports is still a highly regarded publication in all different kinds of areas, from cars to you know washing machines and and everything else. But uh, it annually for a very long time for several decades has come out with a its best cars list um, and a most reliable car list and this year there's a new there's a new king on top of the list and it's the gen it's Genesis which is really surprising nothing wrong with Genesis it's a, you know it's it's the new upscale um, Hyundai right Hyundai and it used to be the Hyundai Genesis now it's just Genesis and and I read a story recently that they're gonna have the dealers, the separate dealerships are starting soon. Um, now you can still buy uh, the, the 80 and the 90, soon to be a 70, I believe, at Hyundai dealerships. But soon enough, it'll be their own dealership network. But it's the number, it's the um, most reliable uh, car uh, in Consumer Reports' new list, uh, replacing uh, Audi. And so we're reading through the list, and we have to keep in mind, of course, that out that Genesis has two cars. Sure. And that the two cars got very, very high ratings. So the Genesis overall rating obviously would be high. And I think that there were seven Audis and seven, eight, or ten of the other manufacturers' cars tested. So if one of those cars of the ten isn't so good or one of the seven isn't so good, their overall rating would be going down. So you have to kind of consider the um, what's behind the curtain, so to speak, on the testing. But... I've driven the 80 and I've driven the 90 and they're just phenomenal cars. So to me, there's no surprise that it's gone past all the big guys, you know, BMW and Audi and Mercedes-Benz and so on and so forth. Sure. And I wonder if there's a, also, if you're going to be an early adopter of most anything, are you really going to complain about it? Yeah. I'm thinking maybe not. Like one yeah. of the high ones was a Chevy Bolt with a B, mm -hmm. brand new car, and it was right. rated high. Right. But are those people early adopters? Are they going to complain and moan and groan about their car? Good I'm point. thinking maybe not. Maybe not. Um, you know, Consumer Reports very uh, highly esteemed publication. I mean, I, I don't really have anybody has ever said anything bad about them. They they buy all the I knew that they they buy all the cars that they test. They're not they don't have the advertising. They're not influenced by the advertising of the manufacturers, but. But so also on that list, I think you have it. That you have eight eight new cars. Was that on the list? Yeah, the uh, Toyota Corolla, and the Camry, mm -hmm. the Chevy Bolt, the Kia Optima, the Ford F one fifty, the BMW X three, and the Audi A four mm -hmm. are on the top recommended vehicles to buy. Yeah, and then we we had a chuckle because, as you mentioned. Um, Fiats were not available in the United States for many years, and Fiats are now back. And guess what? Bottom of the rank. Bottom, bottom I couldn't believe it. Yeah, bottom of the rank. Oh my goodness, Fiat! What are you doing? Yeah, remember, we went to. It's been several years now. We went and drove a few of the different 
Five hundreds, the the the. Um, yeah, they're fine the, cars. The, yeah, the, but the, yeah, I guess they just don't hold up. They, they fall don't hold apart. up. Yeah, it's I, I I when I see some of the that they, they've been back what for four or five years now, and you see the little ones going around town, and you think, oh my, that car looks it just looks so unsafe to me. But but uh, consumer reports, a, bottom of the barrel. You're not a Fiat five hundred fan, huh? Not so, well, yeah, it's fun if you're on a weekend getaway and you're driving on the country road, but as a, as a, a go-to car, a daily driver, not, whew, so, much, not, huh? not so much, not so much. Um, well, uh, we covered a lot of bases today, Bruce. I'm glad that you had a good time uh, on your RV. Now that you are an, an RV expert, I expect some more knowledge uh, sure. from the RV world. And when you're driving, you have a lot of knowledge there, and we, and we talked about we're going to follow up on this. This wiring with rodents, you know, eating eating up cars, wiring, and uh, consumer reports. What a what a nice list. I, I'm going to have the the 2018 Genesis uh, G90 in a few weeks, and so we'll have to take that one out, and maybe we'll do a part of a podcast on on the quick ascension of the Genesis brand. That's a nice car, and you're also getting another fancy car. What is that one? The, the, the new Lexus, oh, right? Oh yes, tomorrow, uh, a Friday. Excuse me, I'm going to get the Lexus. LC 500, I believe they call it. It's the new flagship. I saw that it's more than a hundred thousand dollar car now, so we'll see. Wow, a hundred hundred and two thousand dollar car. Uh, I'll have that for a week, and uh, we'll maybe we'll go on a we'll go to some lunch or we'll go to dinner with some friends or something and see. Take it on the freeway, take it to the Bay Area to see what it's really like. So, but I'm looking forward to that. And then the next round of cars that I have includes some. A Honda Fit. I mean, there's some people say the Honda Fit's the best car you can buy for the money. Eighteen thousand dollar car. So we're going to get the full spectrum, entry sure. entry level to hundred grand in the next eight weeks. So, well, uh, thanks for joining us on another episode of the Weekly Driver podcast. Don't forget to visit my website, uh, theweeklydriver.com. You can sign up for our pod- podcast for free and all the major podcast um, download. Um, availabilities and also i have a starting this week a new newsletter that's also free so that's on www.theweeklydriver.com thanks for joining us and talk to you next week the weekly driver podcast gets support from americanmuscle.com your late model mustang and f-150 authority bringing you the hottest products and top-notch customer service for over a decade no one makes it easier to modify your ride Visit AmericanMuscle.com today for your chance to win a 2018 Mustang RTR Spec 3.